Howdy, everyone. Hoping you're having a great holiday weekend. You've heard that phrase, taking one for the team. You know, when you're an individual on a team and someone on the team has to pay the price for the rest of the team. I was a football coach for a while, and we try to teach our team a bunch of responsibility with kids playing football. And so we would put the kids in charge of, the players in charge of, the water bottles And it always happened. We'd get to a game or a practice and someone would forget the water bottles and we'd say, who forgot the water bottles? And nobody would own up to it. And so we'd have to make the whole team run. Once in a while, there would be this kid named Zach that'd be like, coach, I was the one that forgot. And he would take one for the team. He would run laps so that the whole team wouldn't have to run Laps. He took one for the team, and we'd find out somehow that it really wasn't Zach, it was the other kid, Matt, and yet he paid the price. It happens at work, too. Some major responsibility, something that has to get done, and someone drops the ball, they forget. Someone else that's not their responsibility stays late or works overtime to make sure they take care of a detail. They take one for the team. When you're a part of a family, you're a part of a church, you're part of a community, you're part of a team. And there are times, as individuals, we have to sacrifice, take one for the team. You know, as Christians, we believe that Jesus took one for the team. I mean, Jesus is fully God, and he's looking at the human race, and we're all broken, we're busted, we're sinful, and he says to his father, I'll I'll go down to earth, and fully God, now he becomes fully man, and he walks on planet earth, and he navigates everything perfectly, tempted in every way, but Jesus never sinned, and he goes to a cross and dies innocently to bear the price of sin on his shoulders, So that when we stand before God by faith in Jesus Christ, God knows that we're sinful. We know we're sinful. We know we miss the mark. We know we fall short. We stand before God and God says, you have to pay for this sin. And Jesus raises his hand and says, I took one for the team. I paid the price so that that man, that woman can be free. Jesus took one for the team so that we could have our status change from sinner to son to daughter of Almighty God, that we could be a part of the family of God. We can be on God's team. But now, as God's child, question for you, are you willing to take one for the team? I mean, you've gone from a sinner to a son and daughter. You've been forgiven of your sins and you have new life guaranteed in Christ. You have all the inheritance that Jesus paid for with his own blood. It's all been given to you and you have a new role now as a child of God, but are you willing to take one for the team? And here's what I mean by that. Just because we're sons and daughters doesn't mean that we don't still sin. And every time I sin, It doesn't just impact me, it impacts the entire team. And every time I make a mistake, every time I fall short, every time I miss the mark, it causes tension and drama and heartache and pain on the team, in the family. Are you willing, when those in the family cause tension and drama and heartache and pain, are you willing to take one 
for the team. That's what we're gonna talk about today in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. So if you have your Bible, turn it on, open it up. We're gonna jump into Ephesians chapter four, one through six, and learn what does it look like as individuals for us to choose as sons and daughters to take one for the team. Before we read these words together, would you pray with me? God, I thank you that through this technology, we can interact, and right now, people around the valley and even beyond that, are listening to these words from your Bible. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would do what none of us could imagine, that you would do more than we could imagine, and you would change us, that we would be quiet now, that you would silence all our anxious and frantic thoughts, and you would allow us to focus for these short minutes together, I pray, through Christ our Lord, Amen. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, that's a mouthful, and there's a lot there. Let's take it piece by piece. Paul starts out and says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you. So who is this that's urging in writing these things? Again, it's this guy named Paul, and he had this deep relationship with these people in Ephesus. Now, understand this. When we read the Bible 2,000 years later, something that's old, God's Spirit is alive in us now. And as we try to understand what Paul was intending that original audience to hear, as we lean into that, God's Spirit can take that lesson that he intended for these Ephesians to apply to us and to begin to change us. So Paul is writing to these people in Ephesus. He spent two years with them. He's the one that introduced them to Jesus and told them that they could have their sins forgiven and become sons and daughters of God. He loved them, invested them, spent tons of time with them. And then Paul leaves Ephesus after two years and he actually goes back to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's kind of where Christianity started, right? It's where Jesus died and rose again. And he goes back there, and there are Jewish people, some Jewish people there that are hyper-racist. They think that salvation is only for Jewish people. And those who are not Jewish, they're inferior, they're lesser. And Paul says, no, 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 Jesus is a Jewish Messiah, but he has come to save every sinner. And because we're all sinners in need of a Savior, when we put our trust in Jesus, we're brought into the family of God, sons and daughters. So Paul says this, and it makes the Jewish leaders really angry, so angry that they want to kill Paul. They don't succeed in killing him, but they do succeed in putting him into prison. He's arrested for his thinking. Now, Paul could have easily just 
sort of gone with the flow. He could have easily just said, hey, you know what? It's okay if the Jewish people feel, feel superior and everyone else is inferior. He could have just kept his head down. He could have kept his mouth shut. He could have played it safe, but instead Paul took one for the team. He spoke up and said, no, Jesus is for everyone. You see, Jesus took one for the team and opened up a way for forgiveness and life for all of us. And Paul, knowing Jesus and experienced forgiveness in life, now says, no, I'm going to take one for the team to ensure everyone can have access to Jesus. And now he's writing this letter to people he loves. In verse 4, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you received. What is he talking about? Remember, we're sinners. We miss the mark. We fall short. But by faith in Jesus, now we've received a calling into the family of God. And he's saying, I'm urging you to live a life worthy of that calling. You're a son. You're a daughter now. Someone you love, respect, writes you a letter. Someone who's highly invested in you writes you a letter and urges you to live a certain way, you'd probably respect and listen to them. And how much more would that be true if the person writing to you is in prison for what they're writing? I mean, Paul's not just some kind of windbag that's here preaching at these people saying, hey, this is how you guys should live as followers of Christ. He's walking the walk and talking the talk. Jesus took one for the team, Paul took one for the team, and now he's urging them He's urging us. Family of God, there's going to be a time you have to take one for the team. And he's urging them in this way. He's not putting pressure on them. He's not powering up on them. He's urging them, inviting them, and using his life as an example to them of what it looks like to take one for the team. And here's how he says to do it. Verse 2. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another. He gives four practical ways for this taking one for the team to occur. And I'll explain it to you this way. He says, be humble. What does the word humble mean? It actually means to make yourself low. Why would he say be humble? Well, we have a high view of ourselves, all of us. Sometimes it comes out as cocky, arrogant, proud. Sometimes it comes out as, oh, woe is me, life is so hard. Sometimes it comes out as, I'm just a piece of trash. All of those types of ways we talk about ourselves and carry ourselves is having a high view of ourselves because it's putting ourselves on a platform. Some of it's self-deprecating, some of it's cocky, but all of it puts us up on a platform. And Paul's saying, if you're going to take one for the team, here's what you're going to do. You're going to actually have to have an accurate view of self. You're going to actually have to see yourself clearly. That yes, you have strengths and yes, you have shadows. That yes, there are things you do well and things that you don't do well. Yes, you're a sinner that misses the mark. Yes, you fall short of God's glory. Yes, you can't get yourself into God's 
kingdom and into his family, that you need a merciful, rich God who's kind and forgiving, and that by faith you're changed into the image of God. If you actually have an accurate view of self, you don't think of yourself too highly, but you also don't think of yourself too lowly. And Jesus is saying to us, Paul through Christ is saying to us, be humble. You wanna take one for the team? Have an accurate view of yourself. He says, be gentle, uh, gentle, meek. Sometimes we hear gentle and meek and we hear weak, but that's not it at all. It's actually, gentle is strength under control. Strength under control. Uh, Have you ever seen a kid pick up a puppy? Or maybe a duckling, a little chick? What do parents say to kids that, pick up little tiny animals. Be gentle, be gentle. Why? Because that kid is strong compared to this delicate duckling. And they're to control that strength so that they don't hurt that puppy. When you take one for the team, you choose to use whatever strength you have and keep it under control. Some of you are strong financially artistically, academically. You're strong in position. You're strong physically. You're strong athletically. You have these strengths. All of us have some kind of strength. Do you use those strengths to power up on people? Or do you keep that strength under control? Because that's how you take one for the team. Paul says, be patient. Does that mean like to be patient with this COVID thing? I'm so tired of this. I gotta be patient at the line at Home Depot, patient at the line at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that's kind of what he means, but he takes it, wants us to take it a little bit further. When he says patience, he means long suffering. Long suffering. What's long suffering means? It means suffering long. It means there's going to be things that are going to take a long time and they're going to be difficult to navigate. Be patient. More than just being patient with a long line and suffering in a long line, he knows that among the family of God, on the team, there are going to be people, there are people that drive you nuts. They're going to aggravate you to death. And Paul says, if you want to take one for the team, suffer long with those individuals on the team who drive you nuts. And then he says, lastly, bear with one another in love. Bear with one another in love. And what that means is tolerance. And tolerance is a word in our society that means just give everybody permission to do whatever they want. That's not what this is. Bearing with each other in love is seeing every person as created in the image of God. Every person with a soul that will never die. Every person is someone God loves so much that he sent his son to die and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. To see the intrinsic value of every single person and to be tolerant, to bear with one another in love. 
You see, all these things are taking one for the team. And if you track with this and cross-reference it to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23, the fruits of the Spirit, that when I put my trust in Jesus, he puts his Spirit inside of me. And these things, humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love, these things come out of my Holy Spirit dependence. I can't manufacture these things by myself. It's a result of God's Spirit working in me. So Paul says, if you want to take one for the team, be humble, have an accurate view of yourself. Be gentle, strength under control. Be patient, suffer long with one another, bear with one another in love, tolerate one another in love. And as you do that, you will take care of each other. You will bear one another's burdens. And you know what's incredible to think about with this? Jesus was all of these things, is all of these things for us. He's humble and gentle and patient and tolerant with you. You know, Jesus doesn't overpower people. Instead, he invites us. He invites us, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, Jesus says, and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Jesus is tolerant and patient. He bears with me and you in love. Jesus is all of these things, and he says, hey, you're on my team. This is how you're to act with others. This is what it's like to be my son, my daughter. Paul goes on in verse three to show us what's at stake. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So it's by God's grace that I'm brought into the family of God. Christ transforms me from a sinner to a son and daughter. He did the work already so that anyone who places their trust in Jesus is a son of God, a daughter of God forever. They're on the team. It doesn't matter if you like them or don't like them. It doesn't matter if you respect them or don't respect them. It doesn't matter if you agree with them or don't agree with them. Doesn't matter if they look like you, smell like you, act like you, dress like you, talk like you, vote like you. They are your brother and sister forever through the blood of Christ. And Paul says, here's your job. Do all that you can to keep united. Because when you're a part of a team or a family, it's easy to point fingers at everybody else and say, it's their fault, it's their fault. If only they would do this, if only she would do this, if only he would do that, then we could be unified. And Paul says, no, that's not the issue here. It's your job to do all that you can do to keep unified, to keep the bond of peace. Jesus purchased with his blood. Stop looking around for reasons to blame everybody else for what's wrong in the church, in the community, in your family, in your workplace. Your job is to keep the unity, to protect the unity Jesus bought with his blood. And I know this is kind of idealistic, but can you imagine if we each took personal responsibility for the unity of our families, our churches, our communities, and our country? That if everyone who called themselves Christ follower, everyone that said, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, 
of Almighty God. If we stopped the finger pointing and took personal responsibility for the unity of our families and of our churches and of our communities, how much change could take place if you saw unity as your responsibility and not someone else's, as my responsibility and not someone else's. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Paul goes on in verse four to inspire unity. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. He says, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. There's a lot of ones right there, right? One body, one family, one spirit that lives inside and unites us together. One hope in Christ alone, by faith alone. One Lord, one Jesus to follow and to obey. One faith in a set of core beliefs that unite us together, articulated in the scriptures. One baptism where we say publicly, I belong to Jesus. And one God and Father who's sovereign over all things. There is only one team. There's only one. And we are so individualistic. We are so self-centered, so me-focused that we've created all a bunch of little teams and little families and little churches. And Paul's saying, under Christ, there's only one. It's not Catholic or Protestant. It's not Methodist or Pentecostal. There's not black Christians and white Christians. There's not rich Christians and poor Christians. There's not right Christians and wrong Christians. There's not Democrat Christians and Republican Christians. There's not spiritual Christians and non-spiritual Christians. There's one team, one family, purchased by the blood of Christ. And the reason we don't see this one family is because I'm not taking one for the team. The reason there's so much division, so many denominations, so many tribes, so much disunity, is because we're not taking individual personal responsibility and seeing that Christ purchased this family with his blood. And now my responsibility isn't to build the team. Jesus built the team already. But it's to keep the unity of the team, a priority to me as an individual on the team. And the way it happens, Paul makes it clear, this unity is preserved when we're humble, when we're gentle, patient, tolerant with one another. The reason there's so much disunity, so many tribes, so many factions in the church of Jesus Christ is because of individuals and leaders who are not humble and gentle and patient and tolerant. The reason there's so many divisions at Faith Church, big and small, is because of people like me and you, leaders like me and you, who are not humble, not gentle, I'm not patient, and I'm not tolerant. Because if I would be these things, Oh, again, I know it sounds so idealistic, but there would be so much more peace in our churches 
and in our communities. The reason there's so much disunity in the workplace, in our communities, in our country, is because there's all kinds of people that call themselves Christ followers. They say, I'm a Christian. The way you'll know someone is a Christian is not by what they label themselves, but are they humble? Are they gentle? Are they patient? Are they tolerant? Are you humble? Are you patient? Are you tolerant? Are you gentle? These are the things that make unity happen where disunity is Moving forward, it's because these things are missing. I want to give you an example that's really, really current. Are you ready? Just kind of show you how disunity happens. So right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And there's kind of two types of Christians in COVID-19. There's masked Christians and unmasked Christians. Here's what I mean. There's masked Christians, those who want to wear a face mask, and those who don't want to wear a face mask. I know I'm making it over simple, but just track with me for a moment. The, the Christ follower who wears a mask and says, I, I really am concerned about this pandemic. I, I'm really nervous about the vulnerable. I want to protect them. Really care about the health workers and making sure they have everything they need to help people. And it really doesn't matter to me how long it takes or how much it costs Whatever it takes, I'll wear a mask. I'll do whatever it takes and whatever it costs to preserve one single life. That's the masked Christ follower. And the unmasked Christ follower is the one that's going, hey, this is all a hoax from the government. This is all just propaganda. It's really not that bad. It could be a lot worse. If we don't get going soon, the economy's gonna fall out and we're all gonna be in trouble. That's the unmasked Christ follower. Question for you. Is it possible? Is it possible to be a Christian and wear a mask? Is it possible to be a Christian and not wear a mask? Who's right? What would Paul say in light of this kind of thought? I think he'd say something like this I'd say, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So whether you keep a mask on or take a mask off, are you humble? Whether you believe this is all a bunch of bunk or whether you believe it's really serious and going to kill us all, is it possible for you to be gentle? Is it possible for you to be patient, long-suffering, tolerant, bearing with one another in love? I think Paul would say to us, it's a choice that we make, that we're coming at things from different ends, and as Christ followers, we have different opinions about lots of different things. But how you carry yourself, if you choose to take one for the team, makes all the difference in the world. Let's get a little closer. The reason there's so much disunity in our homes Christian homes, Christian families, Christian extended families. The reason? Because we're not humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. So if you're a dad, are you humble, gentle, patient, tolerant? If you're a mom, your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, you're a teenager right now, 
Is it everybody else's responsibility to keep unity in the family? Or is it yours? What's your responsibility? Are you willing, father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter, teenager, toddler, senior citizen, are you willing to be humble and gentle and patient and tolerant with the rest of your family? Or are you the source of disunity? It's a choice you make to ask God's spirit to make you humble and gentle and patient and tolerant. I'll make one last comment. Among every team, there seems to be always one or two that'll raise their hand and say, I'll pay the price. On my football team, it was this kid, Zach. He was always like, I'll run so that the whole team doesn't have to run. I'll take one for the team. And you know, there's something admirable about that, but it gets to a point on a team where it's not healthy for one or two or groups or segments of the entire family to continually take one for the team. It's not right. In my opinion, just my humble opinion, women in the church of Jesus Christ have been taking one for the team for far too long. There are women in the workplace and in homes and in churches that are held down, mistreated, overpowered, treated in equity, with inequity in the workplace. That's got to stop, my opinion. There are people of color in our economic injustice systems that are being mistreated and abused, even killed. That's got to stop. Women and people of color have been taking one for the team for far too long. And as individuals in the church of Jesus Christ, that's a part of our family. And you might hear this and go, I'm so tired of hearing about racism and feminism. We've made so much progress, Joe. Get over it. Stop talking about it. I would simply say to you, Christ follower, are you being humble in that response, having an accurate view of yourself? Are you being gentle? Are you being patient, long-suffering? Are you bearing with one another, your brothers and sisters in Christ, in love? Are you making every effort to keep the bond of peace that Jesus paid for with his own blood? You see, Caring for one another and taking care of the family and protecting isn't not saying something. It's speaking up and speaking out and saying, there are members of our family that are taking one for the team way too often, and I want to fight for justice and equity for our entire family and for the entire human race. That's a part of what it looks like. It's a part of what Paul did when he spoke up for the non-Jews. He took one for the team to invite and welcome more into the family of God and give them freedom and forgiveness. And that's our responsibility too. Wherever there's inequity, wherever there's mistreatment, we have a responsibility with peace and humbleness and patience and long-suffering, tolerance to bear with one another and do what we can do to make a difference. And if all of this sounds crazy to you, if you're like, I'm not humble or gentle or patient, bearing with one another, I, I don't want anything to do with this stuff. At any level, you go, I, I don't want anything to do with this stuff. Can I introduce you to a guy named Jesus? Because when you bump into Jesus and when he takes up residence in your heart, 
He forgives you. He removes your shame. He puts himself inside you. He changes you into someone who can be humble and gentle and patient and loving. And you can be a voice of peace and unity in this world, in your family, in your church, in your workplace, and in your community. Are you willing to take one for the team? Because if you're willing, the Spirit of God will help you take baby steps to do your job and your work in whatever sphere of influence you can to be an agent of unity and peace for the sake of God's kingdom, the family he bought with his blood. Would you pray with me? God, thanks so much for sending Jesus to take one for the team for us. Thanks for the example of Paul who took one for the team so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know hope in Jesus, so that we would have access to the Bible and to the Spirit and to the family of God. God, show us our weakness in these areas. Show us our self-centeredness. Show us our sin, that we might confess it to you and that you would forgive us. Give us the ability, it's supernatural, to be humble and gentle and patient and tolerant to the end that we would do our part in keeping unity a priority among the family. Only you can do this. We ask that you would do your supernatural work in and through us. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.